0: Hi, I'm Maeve Doyle, and you're listening to a Private View. On today's show, we're speaking to Moritz Moll, ahead of his solo show at Maddox Gallery in Stad, called The Grand Finale. Good morning, Moritz.
1: Hi, Maeve. How are you?
0: I'm very well. I'm happy to be speaking with you. How are you?
1: I'm fine. Thanks for having me.
0: Oh, it's a pleasure. I'm. You've had some group shows with us, but this will be your first solo show.
1: Yeah, big one. <laughs>
0: How many canvases?
1: Um it will be eighteen, I guess. So um we're right now in the final preparations for the show. And you know, there's still uh, some decisions to make, uh, whether there will be eighteen or twenty, but I guess it will be eighteen uh, canvases, yeah.
0: and you titled the show "The Grand Finale." Can you tell me a little bit about that?
1: Uh, yes, um, in some way, it has to do with the uh, theme I chose for the for the show. So it will be, start and um, I'm very much into you know painting like sports jerseys and patterns on clothes and uh, that stuff and it's in a way it fitted very good to start which is a ski resort. Uh, so, so my theme will be uh, like this ski theme, the skiing theme. And um, to give it more of a narrative, I thought of a big race coming to start and all the spectators coming, all the athletes coming. And uh, yeah, it will be the grand finale in case of that skiing race, but it will also be my grand finale in case of this, this exhibition.
0: I, I love that you told that story because in previous conversations, you have mentioned to me that you like to have a narrative that is a beginning, middle and end to any kind of exhibition that you are working on. So the grand finale is a narrative that starts when, goes where and ends how?
1: Yeah, basically it starts um, with people coming to town. So perhaps, you know, a few days before uh, the race and starts start is getting full, you know, the spectators are going to the bars, going to the restaurants, having a good time. And it ends after the athletes go through the finish line, you know, after the big downhill race, after the the winner is determined, then it's ending. And I'm trying to to shine a light on all the small moments that are happening in this time.
0: Because behind the event there's emotions, there's conversations, there's physical conditions, whether you're cold or hungry or tired or right. in fit shape to win a race. These are all interesting what's behind the events and you capture that in moods and subtleties and meditative moments that you find people in
1: yes right yeah you know there will be in in such a race there always are like these big emotions um there will be a lot of joy there will be a lot of disappointment but um you know there always is this little intimate moments in between where the spectators are you know kind of for themselves they are just taking a sip of the drink they are just putting on a jacket or something like this, you know, little quiet moments where they are not, they're in a way part of the spectacle, but in another way, they are just for themselves in, that, in these little moments. And I'm, I like to, to find these little moments in this big emotional um, gathering.
0: So it may not be an answerable question, but those little moments when people aren't playing a role and they're, they're just being human, why do they captivate you so much? Um, in a way, I think it's because
1: they don't pose, you know, they are just, um, the, the face is relaxed. And me as a portrait painter, I'm very uh, focused on faces, obviously. And um, in this in this event of the face being that relaxed and the people um, who are just for themselves, it's the most um, exciting for me to paint these faces because I do little brush strokes in this relaxed faces and they can't change the entire expression of the face that the the viewer just sees in it.
0: It's when they're not playing the role they're playing. Yeah, right, exactly. Enough about the ex- exhibition for now. Let's get to how would you describe yourself and what you do? I know we've talked about the inspirations you find in movies and books and certainly winter motifs, which is great for Stad, that you actually work with models, that you find the clothes that you dress the models in, that That searching for wardrobe is a big thing. There were skis that belonged to your mother in the 70s that show up within the motifs of your paintings. I find that really interesting, that the process and the, and the like, almost set decoration.
1: Yeah, it has a lot to do with it, yeah. Yeah, what, what am I doing it? eventually I paint you know but um, there is for every painter there is a lot um, happening before he starts to paint and um, it has a lot to do with um, how you grow up and what you're interested in shows a lot of what person you are and um, for me yeah it's this perhaps I I can tell you a little bit about how I was growing up because I was I was growing up in this multi-generational house and top floor was my aunt and uncle the middle floor was my two siblings my, my parents and me and on the ground floor um, were my grandparents. And these three floors were very different spaces, and um, they've shaped me a lot in a way because on uh, top floor, there were my aunt and uncle, and they are both architects, very culturally interested. And, um, the flat reflected that totally, there were lots of books, you know, my aunt's a heavy reader, a huge architectural model on the wall and a mural poster of an exhibition that I particularly, uh, remember, and, you know, just the vibe of uh, creative work being done and, uh, and a bit avant-garde, I guess, and, um, on the ground floor were my grandparents who were living in contrast to that very conservative and very tiny, very post-war German, I guess. And my grandfather collected a lot of stuff, you know, a lot of beautiful bits of art, like a vases from Art Deco and the covers of Jugend, which is an Art Nouveau uh, journal from around the late 19th and early 20th century. And he also uh, bought a lot of paintings of his uh, good friend who was a painter as well. And, you know, these paintings still um, are, are, I guess, in every household of the family. And um, in the middle floor was a very um, special atmosphere where me and my siblings and my parents were living. My father is very much into model making, you know, like planes, boats, cars, but also like whole fairs with ferry wheels. And um, he not only used uh, construction sets to make these, but he's creating some, some of that stuff all by himself from scratch in his workshop. And with these models and other stuff that he's buying on flea markets, like like a huge Godzilla statue or a pinball machine, um, he was creating like a magical world that was constantly evolving. And there were lots of uh, display cases with cars where the people were sitting, a skeleton that greeted you on the way to the toilet and flames hanging from the ceiling. It was very impressive for me as a child. And, you know, all these three floors... I'm everything out of this I'm I'm the top floor you know I'm this <laughs> I'm a bit of this creative worker you know I've been working in a design agency I'm also the down the 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 basement uh, not the basement the ground floor where my grandparents were living because you know I'm a portrait painter and in a way it has some something traditional but I'm also this this guy who was living in this middle floor you know a bit of chaos but but also this big um fascinating worlds that were created by my, by my dad and um and um i think that that is something that i try to do with my paintings as well that i'm trying to lead uh, from one painting to the next and to to make these these worlds that that i was seeing as a kid and try to tell a story i guess
0: i remember you saying your aunt had a big influence on you now i understand why you were living in a house with a lot of people multi-generational lots of influences In a sense, they say it takes a community to bring up a child, and you Mm had that community there. And that's why you have, within your work, you have a sense of a very contemporary palette, but there's nostalgic themes. Yes. There's also a design sense to it, which I'm guessing comes from the architect, Ant. I wouldn't have wanted to move out of that house. So in previous conversations, you said that the figures in your painting are in a sleepwalk state. That's also interesting. We touched on a bit of it before, those quiet moments. But sleepwalking implies that your subconscious is telling you something that's different from the world around you. Can you open that up a bit?
1: You know this thing that I said about sleepwalkers, I think it refers to um, that they are doing stuff that is when you're zoned out you're sometimes you're doing stuff just by muscle memory or I don't know you're just doing these things that you do unconscious and that's what I call you know the sleepwalking state that they are just, Taking a sip of the drink or they're uh, adjusting their clothes, and you know they they won't remember it uh, when you ask them after they they've done it. What were you fiddling around with your collar there? And um, then they will, will won't probably remember. And I love this, you know, I love this state of unconsciousness and where they are all by themselves, like you know, like I said before, and that's the sleepwalking state.
0: <laughs> and it can reveal a lot. I know people have, unless you film people all the time. They may be doing things like twisting their hair all the time or wringing their hands or scratching or who knows what. But all the little ticks that are someone's character, unless they study themselves on film, they're not aware they're doing it. Now, the people in your paintings, they're people you know.
1: Yes, they are.
0: That's different than painting from photographs or from memory. You're almost confronting people you know and looking at them objectively. How does that work out?
1: Uh, that's pretty uh, works out pretty good for me because um, if I if I would take um, you know just photographs, found footage, then it would be easy for me. But a big part of my painting practice is um, this what we talked about in the beginning, this decorational aspect, you know, this almost theatrical thing where I'm where I'm creating a world, and um, I couldn't do that with people I don't know. I couldn't just just find someone in a model agency or something like this and ask him to do it. I, I need, it needs to be someone close to me, someone who is, you know, whose character is interesting to me, but who's also interesting to me, um, appearance wise, like my brother, for example, when I paint him, he always looks different. I can't find the essence of him in a, a formal way. I, always when I paint his face, he, he looks a bit different and that's so interesting, you know, and, um, when I'm getting them ready for the photo shooting, then it's very intimate, and I'm, I'm a guy who needs to who needs to have um, someone I can trust for this.
0: How do you get them ready?
1: First of all, I s- assemble all the stuff, all the accessories, all the the clothing, and I got a you know rough picture in my head of what I want to tell and what I'm going to um, carry with the, with the picture.
0: Where does the clothing come from?
1: It's uh, from all around the world. Some of it is uh, some stuff that I uh, that is from my closet. Some of this is something they bring to me, um, the models. Some of it is something I particularly uh, assemble or collect for um, what I'm about to do. So I'm, I'm looking around in vintage stores and these kind of shops. And then I'm getting them ready. I try out different stuff. I try what fits. I, 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 so I have sometimes before I start, I already know. Okay, this is the hoodie that I want them to wear. This um, he has to carry this ski. He has to um, have this goggles on. But most mostly, it changes when I'm getting them ready. And when I have dressed them, we have tried to find a certain pose where everything comes together where, you know, where I make the composition and where I see where the focus in the painting later will will be. And um, the, there I can see what, you know, what is the statement piece in this picture? What is what is going to shine? What can be more in the background? Start to see what will um,
0: eventually come out in, in the end. And if you adjust that to a show like Stad, how does that work out? Since it's such a specific place. It's very wealthy. It's got great leisure. There's a sense of luxury everywhere. Yeah, you
1: know, it's uh, interesting because I can relate very much to the theme of skiing because my mother's a sports teacher, and I've told you that before. She put me on skis when, I'm by the age of three, and um, so I'm, I can definitely relate to to the skiing aspect of it. And on the other hand, this luxury and this this world is uh, something that uh, that I'm not usually um, connected to. But um, I love to explore it in these paintings and, you know, put together something that I already know very by heart and uh, something that is so strange to me. And I think that this contrast makes it very interesting. And I love to to put these contrasts together, you know, something that I know, something that I don't know. It makes a great mixture.
0: It creates attention too. Attention, yes. Which makes it interesting and an interesting narrative. So... Oh, I want to talk a bit about your color palette because it's not a color palette that I see often in life. We've talked about this before. I have seen it in Wes Anderson movies or in maybe an animation. Where did this color palette come from?
1: Um, you mentioned Wes Anderson. Yeah, um, it comes, uh, a part of it comes from like these movies and artists that I'm consuming <laughs> and, um that's one part of it, but you know, they these colors are already arranged. So there are like in a Wes Anderson movie, everything is you know he knows what he's he's done. Every color is um, set in a place, so he's already done with um, with a assembling of colors. And um, on the other hand, I like to look at you know random snapshots, or you see my uh, my child's um, toys on the ground behind me, and I love to see this randomness of color. So when I see this. This is like understandable color, and I love to find little. There's a, a red in this parking house, but there's also you know like a subtle gray on the carpet, and you know, I like to see them unarranged, and um, I find this even more inspiring than these already arranged colors.
0: So if they're unarranged, you're looking for the harmony.
1: I'm looking for the harmony. Yeah, it's kind of how I grew up. You know, in that uh, middle floor we were talking about. But my dad made these worlds. Um, This was also very chaotic and very unarranged colors everywhere. And I loved it. You know, I feel at home in such worlds where it's not already designed, but it's like uh, a lot to explore.
0: And it speaks a bit about people's natural ability to make communities work or not. The choice is yours. Mm -hmm. Can you collaborate in a community and live together in harmony? Yeah, right. The positive affirmation in your work is you're always looking to find the harmony.
1: Yes. And even if, you know, when I'm painting and I'm not, um, sometimes I have uh, the paintings next to each other and see what I'm doing while I'm painting the next one, but sometimes they are just coming together afterwards without me seeing um, every painting I did before that is, um, will eventually sit in the gallery next to each other. But um, I like to see if sometimes they just uh, come together even if I don't have you know color concept that goes ho- through the whole series and they do mostly they do because I'm, I'm the one who paints them
0: <laughs> and you also like the first painting you paint in the series to be different from the last one it should have evolved
1: yeah it should evolve yeah so yeah. usually when I start uh, those series I start with one painting and I'm I have no idea what what the world will look like after the series is finished and I like to you know come from one painting to the next one and after five paintings I usually start to see what's what's going to happen in the end and I love this process.
0: It's funny because it, it's rather than more like a a movie or a book there's a there's a start there's a dramatic high and then there's a conclusion in sense that applies to the grand finale doesn't it?
1: Uh, you know, you got to start somewhere. I think athletes do start somewhere. They do. They they uh, are ch- children and they uh, start to, like me. Uh, they they got put on skis by the age of three, probably, and then they just keep doing it until they're they're sixteen, seventeen, and they stop to be bad at it. And uh, someday they are on this racetrack in this grand finale and going down the hill.
0: And there's so many similarities between artists and athletes. But I wanted to ask you, instantly when people look at your work, they think of Alex Katz, which is such a massive compliment. Clearly, you're more of a neo-Alex Katz because you're more reflective of the times we're living in now. Who else are you influenced by? I'm, I'm guessing there must be some colorists in there.
1: Yeah, definitely. I mean, the um, king of colorists, Haori uh, Matisse, um, definitely, but also some Japanese painters uh, or uh, woodcutters like Hiroshige or Hokusai, and some contemporary painters like Miriam Kahn or Claire Tabouret. I, I love also yeah, yeah, pop art artists like Tom Wesselman, but also these um, naive painters. The painters who who are kind of making these bad paintings, like uh, Henry Taylor or st- stuff like this, but I can very much, very much relate to this.
0: Yeah, and I remember you said Nicole Eisenman as well.
1: Yeah, right, uh, Nicole Eisenman, because her work is so different, and um, she's not afraid of doing whatever she wants. But um, like like we said before, it, in the end, it all comes together, even if it looks different at the beginning. It's it's all coming together in her work. It's great.
0: What's art for? What's
1: art for? Um, for me, it's a way to express myself. Definitely, it's a way to calm down. It's a way to um, it's a therapy for me. I feel better when I'm doing it. Sometimes it it um, stresses me out. but that That's part of it when you um, when you do it professionally. And you know, for me, it's just who I identify as. I'm an artist, and I paint. And you know, it's very very dear to me. And I think for the society, it's. Yeah, it's just um, everything. You know, it can be just something to put on a white wall. It can be something to criticize politics. It can be something that digs very deep in the human nature. And I try to do, you know, everything. Um, I I like every part of it.
0: So the person who comes to buy a Moritz Moll artwork, what are they seeing? But you must want to connect with them on some level
1: yeah i want to connect with them you know i want to tell my story i want to get my my narratives out there and uh, they are definitely buying a part of me but uh, they are also buying a part of themselves because um, when i when you do portrait painting it not only has to do with what you're seeing what what you experienced with the with the models it's also what um you know the viewer sees in this and what the viewer sees when i do these little brush brush strokes that are changing the whole um expression of the face then Perhaps it's just changing for me and um, the viewer has a different experience that makes something else with its expression. I, I, I had a lot of um, dialogues with um, with viewers of my paintings and with people who bought it who, um, who experienced something totally different than I do. And I like, I like that. I love that. When I'm putting it out there, it becomes, you know, I, I'm giving it away and it becomes somehow um, a part of the viewer.
0: It's a mirror. You're holding up a mirror and they see themselves in- How lucky are they? Because you fast-tracked them to the subconscious feelings that are coming up in them by spending all the hours in the studio you spend there. They can reach it like that.
1: Yeah, true.
0: Is there anything else you'd like to say? We know that your show, The Grand Finale, is coming up at Shtad at Maddox Gallery. It'll open on the 12th. You will be there, which is fantastic. It ends at the 25th. Send a message out to people.
1: Yeah. uh, I'd like to meet everybody, you know, as a portrait painter. I I love to see you. I love to talk to you. I love to um, spend time with you. And um, I think we'll have a wonderful evening and I think you will like the grand female as much as I do. See you at the show.
0: Thank you, Moritz. Lovely talking to you and I'll see you in Stad. Thank you, May. Thanks for having me been listening to Maeve Doyle's Private View. This podcast is produced by Will Fitzpatrick at Soho Radio. The music is by Koresh Adhami. Thank you for listening.